Well, typically we'd be showing a video of a church plant that we're helping support through Acts 29, but today is going to be a little bit different. What we're going to do is um, some ministry updates and talking about where we're at as a church and different roles that people are moving into in, in leadership and serving and how we're going to uh, just we're going to put different people in different positions and, and sort of formally announce that. So what we're going to do today, if, um, if you were here on June 30th, we had a family meeting and we talked about a lot of different needs and areas in our church where we wanted to grow and mature. And so since then, it's been three months and we're sort of giving an update on what has happened in the last three months. And so what we're going to do is talk about some specific areas of ministry. So first I'm going to have Sarah Taloyan come up. So Sarah is moving into a role as the director of our kids ministry. And so she's going to talk about that and then we'll have somebody else come up. So Sarah, I'm going to have you go ahead. You can come up here and that mic is on for you. Wow. Hi everybody. Hope you're all doing well. Okay, morning. I'm really excited to be here, and I'm thankful that I get to be here. Uh, thankful that I get to stand up here and talk about kids' ministry. Am I talking into it? There we go. We're going to go to the next slide whenever we can. So I'm really grateful that I get to be a part of this team in children's ministry. Um, I didn't just come in and just see a disaster. I got to see a lot of really wonderful people working really hard and serving the community. And I've got their names up here, Dallas... Allison, Hugh, Lauren, Kim, and Adelaide, they have been very faithful to serve in the, in the children's ministry, taking care of the kids every week, and a lot of them back-to-back-to-back to back to back serving, sometimes never getting a break. <laughs> so um, I really want to just recognize these people. We got them a little gift just to say thank you. So um, got you guys a blanket. It's starting to get chilly. Um, you guys get to pick out Yours in the back, they're on the back table by the giving box, so, except for Hugh, his has his name on it, because it's the only blue one, everything else had flowers, so. Sorry, Hugh, you don't get a choice. All right, we're going to go to the next slide. Um, I'm just going to talk about our little ministry statement. Everything that we do as a ministry is going to be working out of this um, ministry statement that we have, and it's the town church seeks to bless families that attend with loving and safe children's care. We recognize the value of children's spiritual education that enhances the family worship experience. We implement a gospel-centered and loving approach to our teaching of all ages. The town church seeks to deepen the understanding and love of the gospel, deepen the community bonds, and engage in the mission to make disciples. So everything that we do, we take this, and that's our filter, So all the decisions that we've been making, you guys have started to notice some changes probably, especially this weekend. All of our changes are going through this filter. Um, We're going to go to the next slide. So in in our children's ministry, we've had some barriers that um, we're trying to overcome. The perceived safety of the children, uh, the ministry's organization, and the commitment expectations and training for the volunteers. Um, and so I've been working on these things and, like I said, running it through our filter of our mission statement and the strengths of the ministry that we're also taking into consideration and we're trying to preserve is that it's a small and intimate ministry where you feel known. Every family feels known here, and I think we experienced that ourselves coming in. We were welcomed with super wide open arms. It's a very family-oriented place. We've got kids in the, in the main service. You know, they make noise. It's great. Um, We're all welcome with our children, and it's a very authentic church. What you see is what you get. Some things can get a little bit messy, um, but it's small, it's loving, and it's full of genuine believers. I think those are strengths, as so do some of our, uh, our volunteers. This is what they've brought up to me, that this is what our ministry is about. Um... We'll go to the next slide. So we're addressing the barriers. One of the things that we're addressing is that we've reorganized the bathrooms. Um, we are just trying to make it as secure as possible in the children's ministry. We have you know, a lot of people going up and down behind this closed door. Nobody can see what's going on. So we've changed it so that way the children's ministry bathroom is secure and nobody unknown is getting back there. Um, we ha- are working on adequate classroom supervision 
which means that I'm asking people to serve. <laughs> I've given out a couple letters asking you all um, if you can serve in some capacity. Uh, the way we have um, adequate classroom supervision is obviously through proper staffing and also through visibility. Um, if, we, if we have closed doors, nobody can see in. So we want our children to be safe and visible for everybody. So these are some of the things that we're working on. Um, I've been implementing sign-in and sign-out procedures to, once again, you know, we don't want any children getting abducted. <laughs> so um, everybody needs to go to the right person. Um, and then I'm also preparing volunteer requirements. Now this is kind of new for everybody here because it's been so small. Um, everybody knows everybody. But as, you know, new people come, like me, I'm going to be going through this as well. Um, there's going to be application process, interviews. I'll be interviewing people. Um, background checks, and more classroom training. Just that way our children are protected as best as possible um, for liability and for their sake. All right, next page. I'm almost done. The last thing um, is that we need a fully staffed, fully safe classroom. These are the stats. I wanted you guys to see this. I don't know, can you see that? Okay, so the ideal, what we're trying to get is the very top section, fully staffed, fully safe. What we actually have is what's in the middle. So there's been several people, for instance, Kim, Dallas, who've been serving three, four weekends in a row without a break. And I would obviously like to change that. I would like to get them in the service every now and then. Um, so that's what we actually have. We have three infant volunteers, two preschool teachers, one assistant, one elementary teacher, and one assistant. And what we need as you can see the numbers up there, we need a preschool teacher, two preschool assistants, two elementary teachers, and two elementary assistants. Um, in order to get these people in, we just ask that you serve once every three weeks. That's not a very big commitment. Um, you get to be in church three out of the four uh, weekends, sometimes five. And, um, and I think if you put it into perspective how often the current volunteers are serving, it'll kind of hopefully encourage you to just commit to one day um, a month, or one every three weeks. So last, last slide. It's a little small. I don't know if you can see that. But I just wrote, assistants help the lead teacher make crafts, behavior management, and build relationships with the kids. We're trying to make it as easy as possible to get you guys to serve. So you don't have to be a lead teacher. You can just be an assistant where you show up, and you make friends with the kids, and you put together a craft. That's not too difficult, so, and like I said, it's once every three weeks. Easy peasy. So I really hope that you guys consider serving. We need you. Our children need you. Uh, they're really valuable, and we love them. And we're excited to see the next generation growing up in the word and in the truth. Um, I know I'm blessed to see how our children are growing and what they come home telling me, memorizing their scripture verses. You know, my son, he's like, oh, he just apologized to me out of nowhere. I'm like, see, that's like fruit of the Spirit. That's amazing. You know, I'm just really thankful for the ministry here and what they're accomplishing in our kids. Thank you. Thank you, Sarah. And don't forget your gift. Yeah, don't forget your blanket. You could, you could stay warm today. All right, well, next I'm going to have Carly Cook come up. She is taken on the responsibility of hospitality, and she's going to explain what that means, because it's, it's more than uh, putting cookies out. Yeah. All right. Hello. I am Carly. Um, I, I feel much less prepared than Sarah. I do not have a slide presentation for you. I don't think that it would have gone well. I'm not very good with technology. Um, but anyways, I am heading up the hospitality team, which in its essence is just um, welcoming everyone in the doors and making sure that it is um, an open and loving environment so that everyone feels they can come into God's house to worship together. Um, some of the examples of what we're doing include um, setup and cleanup of the church, coffee, tea, just making sure everything looks nice, bathrooms are tidy, things like that. Um, greeting people as they arrive, making them feel welcome here. Um, organizing special events, church potlucks, 
church cleaning day, which we'll be talking about here soon, um, anything else along those lines. And then um, providing meals to those in needs, in those in need. Um, currently, um, our sister in Christ, Nancy, she's in need of some meals. So, you know, if anybody has a desire to help with that, please see me. But um, ultimately, my hope is that we will see welcome into the church and um, care for one another, um, not only as a ministry, but as an act of worship. Um, in Matthew uh, 25, verses 35 and 40, which I'm trying to pull up, but my thing is not working. See, I told you I wasn't good with technology. There it is. Okay. Sorry about that. Um, For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you, or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. Um, So please feel free to ask me any questions if you're curious about anything. Um, Volunteers are needed for any and all of these. You wouldn't have to commit to everything I listed. Any help is uh, welcome. Thank you. All right. Thank you, Carly. Thank you, Sarah. And I just, um, I wanted to point out one of the things we're going to start doing is having regular work days, and we're going to have one on October 20th, uh, which is a Sunday. So we're going to, typically you do stuff like on a Saturday, but a lot of people, since we're already coming here on Sunday, we're going to try and have a potluck after our Sunday gathering and then work and serve together here in our space. So we're going to try it, see how it works. If it doesn't, we'll go back to Saturday, whatever, but there'll be projects inside and outside, and, uh, and you'll, if you come on that day, and we'll give more specific information of time and things, but we want to get that day on there for you, um, and just, there'll be things for you to do. You won't be sitting around like, what do I do? Where's the broom? So it'll be organized in a way that um, you'll be able to jump in, and no matter your level of experience, I, I am not good at fixing things or whatever, but... Um, I can help whatever, scrub the dirt out of the corner. So um, it's going to be a good day, and I encourage you to, to be here. A couple other things that I want to mention for, um, for ministry roles that we have. One is, is Greg, and I'm not going to make Greg come up here and, and talk, um, but Greg is... He's kind of unofficially been doing this for a long time of, of leading in our music and, and worship and liturgy. And so Greg is, is going to move more into that role in a formal sense. And, uh, and so he'll, he'll well, you, he does get to be up front a lot already. So, <laughs> but we'll give him a, an opportunity to kind of talk about that at some point. Um, but then what, something else I want to point out is what we have called our leadership advisory team. And so this is Dave Matheson and Lauren Vanderwall. They are both serving on this leadership advisory team with me. So I'm meeting with them once a month. We're talking about what's going on in our church, what decisions need to be made, and uh, how, do we, how do we make those together as a team. And so it's been a really, uh, we've just met once and I'm already really excited about the next one. Uh, I wish we could meet more often, um, <laughs> but it's been it's been very good. And and all of these roles and and leadership positions um, were they were not filled three months ago. So none of these people were formally serving in these roles. Uh, some of them didn't even exist. Uh, and so it's pretty incredible to see in three months. Uh, people stepping into these roles, the amount of work that's already gotten done, people just throwing themselves into it. It's been really, really helpful and really encouraging for me as a pastor here and, and seeing things that we've been talking about and praying about sometimes for years uh, actually coming to fruition and, and done in a way that actually fits who we are 
as a church too. It's not like we had this radical shift and everything's different now. Uh, and so I just want to say thank you to each of those people who are in those roles. And I know some of you already came up, but I, I do want to ask each of those uh, five people to come up and I'm going to pray for, for them and for us together as a church and, and also to recognize them. Uh, none of them wants to be recognized, um, but, but each of the things that they're doing is, is worthy of, um, it's, of commendation uh, because they're, they're serving you, they're serving us together. Uh, and so if you guys will all come up and, and we'll, we'll pray together. Yes, and Lauren and Greg both have kids, so, or, you know, they, they're both coming up and they have kids, so yeah, Sadie gets to come too. All right. All right. Father God, we're so thankful for the way that you lead us. You are the chief shepherd, Jesus, and we are your sheep. Uh, and we thank you for the way that you lead us, the way you guide us, the way that you protect us, the way that you uh, care for us, in, in not just in meeting our needs, but in doing it in a way that, that is loving and gracious and I thank you that uh, that as part of your family, as part of your church, uh, you, you give people gifts and you give them abilities. And I thank you for the way that you've uh, given us different people within our church body who can lead and serve in different ways. And that, that each of these men and women, uh, you've made them capable and, and you've given them a willingness to serve and I just pray that, uh, that as we move into a new season as a church with different people serving in, in different leadership roles, that you would bless our efforts and that you would bear great fruit um, for, for you, Jesus. Uh, this ultimately is not about us getting more organized or, uh, or putting processes and, and systems in place. All of this is for the sake of Jesus, for him to be known and glorified and loved. Uh, and so... Uh, as we serve, as we work, as we lead, uh, would we keep looking to you, Jesus, for everything that we need, uh, and that and that we, at the end of the day, at the end of the decade, at the end of uh, our lives, we could look back and and see how beautiful it was to be part of your work uh, and to be part of your mission, and how many people got to meet Jesus through the work that we're doing. I pray that you would bless each of these leaders as they serve. Would you give them wisdom and grace and understanding and energy uh, to do the tasks that they have taken on uh, and that you would bless them and protect them from harm and, uh, and that we as a church would respond together to their leadership uh, and, uh, and to the way that you are leading and guiding us. We ask it all in Jesus' name, amen. Awesome. Well, I just want to mention one more time, Sarah did, did mention this, but our restroom configuration has changed, and it's, it's very drastic. So um, I know that some of you are already alarmed. Some people have come up to me, and there's, there's great concern. So let me just explain what's going on. We have two bathrooms down the hall. Um, the one at the beginning here, right when you go in, has been traditionally the women's bathroom, and the one at the end of the hall is the men's room, but the one at the end of the hall is now just for kids, So, and it's not just like when the kids are in there, it's like all the time. You just need to get used to this change. So the women's restroom is now for men and women, but not together, okay? Like not at the, not at the same time. Uh, people have actually, like, they thought that's what was happening. So it is now, there's two toilets in there, but it is a single-use bathroom. So when you go in that bathroom to use it, you need to lock the door. Um, and to prevent any awkwardness, we put in a little sign that says vacant or occupied. Uh, and so when you go in there, slide it to occupied, lock the door, and when you come out, unlock the door and slide it to vacant so that somebody else can use it without any awkwardness. And, and I just ask for all of you to be understanding uh, and just to, to roll with it. I know it's, it's a change, so it's difficult, uh, and it might take a little bit of getting used to. So to help us, do you have a question? Yeah. yeah. Why do we have an outhouse for men? <laughs> Why do we have an outhouse? Um, I don't think we have anywhere to put it, actually, just to be quite frank. We don't really have any room outside, but um, I'll check with the city and see if we can get that permitted. Um, so so 
to help us navigate this change. Once our kids are dismissed, which will happen in just a couple minutes, we have uh, a sign that will say, beyond this point, kids and parents of those children, when they check them in and check them out, and the volunteers who are working back there, those are the only people who get to go back there. Okay, so, and to help you remember this, we have these little barriers that we're going to put there uh, that will be closed. And so if you're not a kid, and if you're not a parent, and if you're not working with the kids, don't go back there, because the only thing we can assume is that you have uh, ill intent, which we don't want to think of anyone. We wouldn't want to call the police. Uh, So, uh, and I'm kind of saying that in jest, but... That's the kind of seriousness that we want to take the safety of our kids. Uh, we, want to, we want to protect them and take care of them. So uh, there will be a sign and there will be barriers. And so it should be very evident. And if you somehow make your way past the sign and the two different barriers, what, you know, <laughs> you're, we're going to speak to you. Uh, so, so please don't make it awkward on us or on yourself to have that conversation. Don't go past the barriers. Okay, well, that was really exciting. You guys did great throughout that. Kids did great, so congratulations. That was a long ministry update. Um, so, so well done on that. As, as many of you know, we belong to a wonderful church planning network called Acts 29. And Acts 29 is, we say, it's a diverse global family of churches planting churches who plant churches <laughs> uh, with over 700 churches around the world, and that's growing all the time. And one thing people often ask me is about the name, Acts 29. As any good Bible nerd knows, there's only 28 chapters in Acts, and so why... You know, what's with this 29 business? Is just the person who named this was not very good at the Bible and <laughs> got confused. Um, but what we're, what we're trying to convey through the name Acts 29, and I wasn't involved in the decision-making process on that, but I, I like the name. But, but what we're trying to convey through this name is what comes next? What comes after uh, what happens in the book of Acts? What, what comes next? And, and we're living in the answer to that question, what comes next. And so I can't think of a better question for us to ask as we've come to the end of our series in the book of Acts. What's next? What comes after for us? And, and we've gone through all 28 chapters of the book of Acts in great detail over the past uh, 19 months. And we've taken a few little breaks in the middle there, but uh, 40 47 today, 48 sermons in the book of Acts, and, and now our task is to try to sum up everything that we've learned in 28 chapters, 48 sermons in 40 minutes. No, no problem, right? Let's just, let's just break it down and, and we'll be fine. Um, so here's what we're going to do. Uh, I mentioned our family meeting that we had three months ago, June 30th. We talked, about, we talked about a lot of things, but we talked about three main ideas, and today we're going to revisit those ideas and talk about how they will help us live out that question, what's next, what comes after for us on the mission that Jesus has called us to in Eureka, in Humboldt County. What's next for us? And those three questions or themes are shared mission, shared leadership, and shared responsibility. So as we look at these three themes, we're not going to go into great detail in a specific passage or, or in multiple passages. This is really a broad, broad overview of what we've seen throughout the book of Acts, and I'll reference a lot of different passages within the book of Acts, mostly in Acts chapter 2 and Acts chapter 13, but we're not going to look as closely as we normally do, so just I'm going to say that up front, and, and if you are like, what, what did we talk about the community in Acts chapter 2 in more detail, you can go back on the podcast and listen to those sermons. I think I did, I don't know, five or six sermons in chapter 2, so you can go back and, and listen to that if you would like. So um, we're going to pray now, and then we will launch into this overview. Father, we're so thankful uh, for, for who you are and what you've done for us. 
Uh, help us now as we, as we talk about what is next, what comes after for us, um, that we would continually look to you. Uh, this mission is not our mission, it's your mission, and we are following you. And so every plan, every desire, every longing, every goal, would it all come into submission to you, Lord Jesus? And would we be in alignment uh, with your will and with your word that you've given to us? Would you help us to be a faithful church uh, in, in every aspect? Would you reveal to us the areas that we need to repent? Would you show us the areas where we need to push forward hard and, and sacrifice and serve? And would you, above all, give us a great love for you, Lord Jesus, and a great love for this community that you have called us to? Would you break our hearts for our neighbors, for our community? We ask it in Jesus' name, amen. All right, so as the church of Jesus generally, right, the the big broad church, the worldwide church, and as the town church specifically, we share a mission together. Our mission is shared together, And, and the way that we word our mission for, for town churches, we say, we, as the town church, we exist to make disciples who delight in, declare, and display the good news of Jesus. So our mission is to see people love and enjoy Jesus, to learn how to speak about Jesus, and to live like Jesus. So we want, we want to make disciples who do that, and if, and if we're doing that, then we're succeeding in our mission. So that's, that's our mission specifically as, as the town church. And, and we came up with that language ourselves, um, but, but I think you can notice that, that the language of making disciples is not unique to us. We didn't come up with that. We didn't have a consultant come in and be like, you should talk about doing this. Um, it's it's Jesus' idea. It's Jesus' mission. That's what Jesus called all of us to do as his church, to go and to make disciples. And we've seen that throughout this book in in Acts. Jesus' church is just continuing to do what Jesus started doing. It's a continuation. There's no Jesus is finished with his ministry and then we started our ministry. We're just continuing the ministry that Jesus began. And so when we think about mission, I think we should remember what the theologian Chris Wright says, that, that mission was not made for the church to give us a purpose or something like that. Mission was not made for the church. The church was made for mission, God's mission. So, so we, we really shouldn't say that the church has a mission and we have to figure out what that is. We should really say Jesus his mission has a church. That's who we are. We, we are in submission to the mission that Jesus has called us to. We obey him. So we're part of the church that is living on that mission, right? We're, we're part of that big global church. And, and our task, our job is to figure out how do we do that specifically for us here in Eureka, here in Humboldt County, how do we be the church that has a mission or that's, <laughs> that the mission has a church? How do we live in submission to that? So I want us to consider some aspects of Jesus' mission that we've seen throughout the book of Acts. The first is that Jesus' mission is empowered by the Holy Spirit, all right? Because this is God's mission, it's not ours. Uh, Jesus promised us that he would give us the power to fulfill that mission. And that's Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Jesus said, you will receive power, right? You'll receive power to fulfill the mission that I'm giving to you, the the mission that you're going to continue, that I've already began. And so the Holy Spirit is the power of God's mission to make disciples in every place. That means the Holy Spirit is the power for us to fulfill God's mission in Eureka and Humboldt County. And there's not an alternative source 
of power for our mission. There is only one way we can fulfill Jesus' ministry in Eureka and Humboldt County, and that is through the power of the Holy Spirit. Without the Holy Spirit, we cannot fulfill God's mission. We can't do it. It doesn't matter how much money we have. It doesn't matter how great our strategy is, how much planning we do, how many meetings we have, how many resources we have. If we do not have the Holy Spirit empowering our mission, it will fail. Even if it looks like a success, it is a failure without the power of the Holy Spirit. And on the other hand, if the Holy Spirit is empowering our mission and our ministry, it doesn't matter if we have a lot of money. It doesn't matter if we have a lot of people. It doesn't matter if we have a lot of resources. It doesn't matter if we live in a corner of the world that nobody else cares about. It will succeed because it's God's mission empowered by God's Spirit. So his mission will succeed when it is empowered by the Holy Spirit. Now our problem is that when God empowers us and we're living in the way that Jesus has called us to, it often doesn't look successful because there's suffering, there's patience, there's, there's faithfulness that gets played out over years and years of time. I shared this story earlier in our series through the book of Acts when, when I talk about our church with other people who live in other areas, go to conferences or whatever, and inevitably the conversation gets to how do you measure your church's success by asking how many people come and how many people you have involved in this or that, and I often get some strange looks, you know, even going for how long and there's only the, that many people there? You know, does that... Do you ever feel like you failed? I mean, it doesn't all get said. One guy did actually ask me these questions very specifically, and uh, that was uncomfortable. <laughs> but, but, right, we look at those questions and we look at those ways of measuring success. But if we're empowered by the Holy Spirit, Jesus' mission is being fulfilled even if it lies dormant for years and years and it's just inch by inch. And so we can rest in that, right? That if Jesus' mission is empowered by the Holy Spirit, it's a success. And we can rejoice and be glad in that no matter what it looks like from an outside perspective. Next, Jesus' mission is gospel-centered. Uh, our mission has a clear purpose, right? We make disciples of Jesus. How do people become disciples of Jesus? And ultimately, it's it's us telling the story of Jesus, right? We have, people have to know who Jesus is and what he has done. And ultimately, we know it's up to God to call people into his family. We don't, we don't get to force people into doing that. There's no way that we can persuade and convince people as hard as we try. It's ultimately up to the Holy Spirit to draw people into the family of Jesus. But we do have a part to play in that. We do it by declaring and displaying the good news of Jesus to people. Here's who Jesus is. This is what he has done for us, and we live out the reality of that in our everyday lives so that we're discipling people by showing them this is what the gospel looks like in everyday life. So making disciples, being on Jesus' mission, it must be centered on the gospel. If we stray from the gospel, if we stray from the essential truths of who Jesus is and what he's done for us, we will be lost and our mission will amount to nothing. Next, Jesus' mission is done in community. And we, we saw this all through the book of Acts, the church in Jerusalem, the church in Antioch, Corinth, Rome. The mission of Jesus is done together in community. We cannot live Jesus' mission out alone. It, it doesn't work. Jesus didn't design us to be solo uh, artists, right? We play in a band, okay? You are, you are part of a community. It's not optional. It's not a preference. Jesus' mission is done in community. And the incredible thing is the community of Jesus is itself such a powerful display of the gospel. When people see People who follow Jesus loving each other, serving together, serving one another, doing things that, that defy uh, expectations or logic, all of, all of that community is pointing back and saying, it's because we belong to Jesus. It's because we're on his mission. It's not because we're good people. 
It's because we have been loved by Jesus. It's because we've been transformed. It's because we have new hearts. That's why we live in this community. All right, so Jesus' mission is empowered by the Holy Spirit. It's centered on the gospel, and it is done or lived out in community. So, so what is next for us as a church sharing Jesus' mission together? How do we share this mission together? So the first thing I'll say is that it must be through prayer. So we pray each week during our gathering. We very intentionally have come to a point where we say we're going to pray together. And yes, it's before we dismiss the kids, so we call it family prayer to acknowledge the fact that um, it's a little bit noisy, it's a little bit inconvenient, or it's not as clean as we could make it. But prayer, if we're going to learn how to pray, we have to learn how to pray in the midst of mess and distraction and all those kinds of things. So if you're a parent who is like, man, I, I like that we pray together, but I don't like that my kid sometimes cries during that, I just want to say, it's okay. It's okay. And, and it's part of who we are as a church and we'll make it, we'll live. <laughs> okay, so, um, but I, I want to see our church become more, to pray more, to just be, to have a heart of, of prayer that it just un, is underneath everything that we do. And so, um, I want to expand our life of prayer to include a monthly, regular, we're getting together and we're praying for our city, we're praying for specific needs in our church body, and and a time each Sunday before our gathering begins for people to come and to pray for our gathering, for the people who would come to worship Jesus, to hear the gospel. Uh, And I can't give you specific times, I haven't I don't have this all planned out. I need to meet with my leadership advisory team to get this all figured out. Uh, but it's something that we're going to continue to talk about, to continue to plan. One thing, uh, Joey's here today, and tomorrow I'm going with him down to pray with some, some churches in Fortuna. There's some churches down there have begun to meet together and to pray You know, on, on the last Monday of the month. And what I like about Um, what Joey's invited me to do there is he said, hey, let's try to do something like this in Eureka. And what I like about it is it's not just the pastors of the church, it's the churches themselves coming together and praying together. And I've been a a part of different pastors groups and prayer meetings, but they always kind of fizzle out because pastors are busy and whatever, and then one of them moves away and then it sort of dies out. But, But if the church itself in Eureka and Fortuna on Humboldt County is devoted to prayer, then it's not going to die out because one person moves away. So, so prayer is, we, we have to share our mission together through, through prayer. And I'm actually going to talk some more about prayer later, so I'll move on. Another way that we uh, want to share Jesus' mission together is through participating in a gospel community. So, um, Gospel communities are part of the town church. They have been from the beginning. You, you People call them a small group, a community group, Bible study, whatever you want to call it. We call it a gospel community. And what, what, we, what we long to see, and I think what we've seen through the years, is that gospel communities help us live Jesus' mission out together because we're praying together, we're helping each other learn how to believe the gospel, how to declare the gospel, how to display the gospel, and, and we do that together in community. And I think a lot of way, in a lot of ways, gospel communities function as kind of a miniature church uh, and, and saying that they, they represent the dynamic of, of the people of Jesus in community in everyday life. And so right now we have one gospel community, and there's, there's too many people in it. <laughs> I'll just say it that way. There's too many people in our gospel community, and we need to multiply our gospel community so that there's room for more people to come in and to be discipled. And what we've seen over the years is that gospel communities are a great way for people who don't know Jesus at all to come in and learn about Jesus around the table, eating dinner together, in conversations, in the backyard, whatever it might be. And it's a very welcoming environment for people to come in. And we might be discussing uh, a passage from Scripture that we talked about on Sunday, or it might just be several different conversations going on. So if you want to learn more about our gospel community, uh, you could talk to me and I'll let you know the information on that. But 
But the hope is, and what we're trying to prepare for, is multiplying our gospel community uh, in, at the beginning of 2020 into hopefully three different gospel communities. And again, I'll give you some specifics as we have them, uh, but right now that's, uh, that's the plan. All right, so we share our mission together through prayer and through gospel communities. Lots of other ways, but those are a couple main ones. Next, I want to talk to you about shared leadership. So in order to help us accomplish the mission that Jesus has given to us as a church, we must have leaders, but it's important to note that leaders is plural. It's not, it's not one person, and, and if you know the history of our church looking back on it, for the most part, we have had shared leadership. Uh, we started the church together with the Kennard family, and Lane and I both served as elders and pastors in, in town church. But Lane and, and the Kennards have been gone there. Uh, they planted a house church in Fortuna. Uh, today, I talked to Lane for like three hours on the phone on Friday, which <laughs> is a long time. My ear was sweaty. Uh, <laughs> But he's, he got invited, the, their family got invited to go out, and we've talked about this uh, a little bit, but they're going out every other week to this little town called Blocksburg, which is like an hour and a half from here. There's like 150 people who live in this unincorporated area, but they have a church building, and they said, hey, will you come out and teach us about Jesus? How incredible is that? Uh, and so they're going out every other week to do that. And so it is good that Lane and Michelle went out to do what they're doing. We celebrate it. It's a good thing. But what that did for us was leave sort of a leadership vacuum. And for the last couple of years, two and a half years, I've been leading solo uh, in, in making almost every decision. And I'll be honest, it's been really difficult for me. I... Um, the, the good part is I've been able to lead as the pastor of town church full-time, pretty much full-time for the last couple of years, but I've been doing it alone. And, and my, the way I'm wired, the way I like to work is to do it as part of a team, not by myself. I mean, I am an extrovert. I like to talk to people. I like to make, you know, get a whiteboard out and collaborate and do all this stuff. And I've just been sitting in my office in my garage that has no windows by myself for two years, and please let me out, you guys. No. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we, just, we just haven't had that uh, structure in, in place. But, but the important thing about this, it's not about my preferences or about my personality or how I'm wired or anything or even what works best. The pattern of the church that we see in the book of Acts is shared leadership. So, so what I'm talking about, it's not just a preference. It's about the way this is shown to us in Scripture, the pattern in Scripture that the church is led by plural leadership. And we see this from the time that Jesus ascends into heaven. He sends the Holy Spirit to empower the church to live out his mission. The disciples, they share the burden and the responsibility of leadership together. There's no instance that you can see in the book of Acts or in the New Testament of one person leading the church in one geographic area. Uh, and, and it's true, there are certain leaders who become more influential and more upfront, people like Peter and James and Paul, but those leaders are never leading alone. And they're not, uh, they're not forcing their agenda through. They serve as part of a team. Even Paul, who we think of as kind of a prickly pear of a guy, like he doesn't do ministry alone. And we never even get an indication that he wants to. The, the assumption is for him that he's always going to be on mission with another person who he's training up as a leader so he can send them out to do more ministry. He's always got someone with him. I think one of my favorite examples of shared leadership in, in the book of Acts is in chapter 13. It's the city of Antioch. It's not a Jewish city, right? It's outside of Jerusalem. It's outside of Israel. 
And before Paul and Barnabas are sent off on their first missionary journey, Luke, who wrote the book of Acts, he tells us about the leadership of the church in in chapter 13, verse 1. Now there were in the church at Antioch prophets and leaders, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manan, a lifelong friend of Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. And and what we looked at that, when we looked at that passage uh, earlier this year, uh, it it was to see the diversity within the leadership of that church in Antioch. There's a diversity in giftings, right? There's prophets and there's teachers, and there's a diversity in their backgrounds, their ethnic backgrounds, their social backgrounds, their cultural backgrounds. There's Greeks, Romans, Africans, Jews, right? And that's a team of five leaders, and there's incredible diversity within that team And they're all working together to lead the church of Jesus. And two of them are sent out on mission to go take the gospel to all these Gentile places. So so how are we going to replicate that or emulate that? How are we going to have shared leadership? So right now, uh, I I highlighted them earlier, our leadership advisory team, uh, Lauren and Dave. And I started meeting together with them last month. We're getting together every month to pray, to make decisions, to make plans. And, and I'll say within that group, there is a diversity in giftings and backgrounds, right? We're not all the same, but, but that needs to be expanded. Even as it's good and it's something that we can celebrate, it needs to be expanded even beyond that. Now, the, the, the leadership advisory team, it, the way that it's functioning is... I mean, so far, it's been amazing, and I'm so grateful for it. Uh, but ultimately, right now, I bear the responsibility of, of being your pastor. But what's happening is not, I'm not doing that alone, even though I still have to work in my cave office most of the time. There is, there is shared leadership, and, and it's, it's evident, like, in my soul. Uh, and it's so, it's so good to be part of a leadership team. And so I've asked Dave and Lauren to serve through the end of this year, and then we'll assess together what does shared leadership look like for us moving forward into the next year. So my prayerful plan is that starting at the beginning of 2020, we'll start a leadership cohort where men and women can be trained. What does it look like to lead in the church of Jesus? And, um, and then eventually to see uh, new elders, new deacons, other leaders trained, equipped, sent out uh, from here. Could be in new leadership roles here. It could be in places that people move to because, right, sometimes you move away, which I hate when you move away, but it happens sometimes. And if you're going to move away, we want you to be sent out as a leader, right? Somebody who, who knows how to be on Jesus' mission and to lead uh, wherever they're going in that and then maybe to plant new churches, right? We, man, how incredible would it be for us to send out uh, a team of people to go plant a church somewhere, uh, even, even in Humboldt County or who knows, Willits. Who wants to go to Willits and plant a church? Anybody? It's dead silence. Yeah, I know. The highway goes around it and so do our hearts. So Willits. Uh, <laughs> if you're from there, I apologize. Um, nothing but love for Willits. All right, so, so we talk about shared mission, we talked about shared leadership, uh, and when we talk about leadership uh, is helping the church, helping direct the mission of the church, but the burden of the mission of Jesus is not on the leaders alone. The entire church, you share the burden of the responsibility to be on Jesus' mission, to, to follow Jesus on his mission. We have a shared responsibility together as a church. So how do we fulfill, uh, how do we share that responsibility, fulfill Jesus' mission together? And, and I'll say here's five things. I know there's a lot of different lists. We try to put them all on the screen. Uh, but, but these are five things that we've seen the church of Jesus doing throughout the book of Acts. Prayer. Again, prayer is essential. A church living on Jesus' mission together must pray. We pray together. We pray individually. And I'll say this. I, I need you to pray for me as your pastor. Like, it's not just nice that you tell me that you're praying for me. Like, I desperately need you to pray for me. 
do it every day if you can. I would, I would be so grateful for that. The leadership advisory team needs you to pray for, for us as we make decisions, as we plan, as we seek the Lord's direction for us together. The, the ministry directors, right? Greg, uh, Sarah, Carly, like they need you to pray for them as they, as they serve in those roles. Like we're all just figuring out a lot of this on the fly. Like we're building the airplane while it's flying. It's a little scary, so pray. Pray for us. The, the volunteers need you to pray for them. Uh, they're faithfully working, they're faithfully serving in the midst of all the same busyness that we all experience. Our church body needs you to pray for God to provide for us, to protect us, to lead us. And our city, the, the place that we live, needs you to pray for it, right? You need to pray for the place that we live. The people in your life who don't know Jesus, they need you to pray for them to meet Jesus, it is absolutely essential that we be a church that prays. And so starting next week, we're going to go through a series uh, until Advent begins where we just walk through the Lord's Prayer together, and hopefully it will be uh, a time for us to, uh, to learn how to pray in the way that Jesus taught us how to pray, and that that will be uh, a way that we can to grow as a church and see the essential nature of prayer. Next, we share the responsibility of fulfilling Jesus' mission together through commitment. Oh man, commitment is such a scary word, right? You know, even those people who've been married, you know, you have children, you have had the same job for 12 years or whatever, you, ha- you sign a cell phone contract all the time, you hit, I accept on everything on the internet when it asks you to accept the agreement. But when we talk about commitment within the church of Jesus, we're all like, whoo! What commitment? What we see in, in the book of Acts throughout the New Testament is a church that is committed. Church that's committed to Jesus and a church that's committed to one another. And, and the classic example is at the end of Acts chapter 2, the community of the church in Jerusalem, they devoted themselves to one another. They were they were knit together. They were, they were committed not just to like an idea of, man, I would just like to be part of an authentic church community. Like they, they just, they didn't have an idea. They just said, this is what the Holy Spirit does. He causes us to commit ourselves to, to Jesus and to one another. And, and it was to individual people, right? There's, there's people who became committed to one another. And if you read it, it's like socialism, right? Like they they're have a common pot of money and people are sharing their needs and they're sharing their blessings. And I mean, if, if I asked you to do what they did, you would call us a cult and you would tell the Lost Coast Outposts or whatever that this was, there's some cult in Eureka. I mean, it's in Acts chapter two, so deal with it. All right, there's commitment there, and I'm not going to tell you we're going to all have a common bank account, and there will be no Kool-Aid involved. But if you, want, if you want deep community, you must deeply commit yourself. And I don't know any Christian that, that would say, I don't want deep community, but what they don't want is deep commitment often. But they have to go together. They, they're linked together, and you can't have that deep community without that deep commitment. And, and one of the ways that we're exploring uh, how we can deepen our commitment together as a church is through uh, some kind of form of church membership. And again, this is another one of those words that freaks everyone out somehow. Um, and it's not something we can roll out right away. I'm going to work with the leadership advisor team on this. How, how can we have a form of church membership that makes sense for us as a church community? But the idea is what is the process that we can have where we commit ourselves to together as a church family in some kind of formal way, in some kind of uh, moment of this is, this is what I'm committed to. These are the people that I am committed to. All right, next we share the responsibility of fulfilling Jesus' mission together through giving. So when we look at the church in the book of Acts, it's, it could be the church in Jerusalem, right? They have their communal fund. Um, the Gentile churches that Paul was going around to, they're collecting money to send with Paul to the church in Jerusalem. 
Uh, the church of Jesus throughout the book of Acts is a giving church. So the pattern of giving in the New Testament is both sacrificial and consistent. And now, we don't talk about money a whole lot, especially during Sunday morning gatherings. And we don't pass a plate. We have a box in the back. It's not even locked, uh, which is concerning sometimes, but we've made it through without any, any dine and dash situations. Um, we don't ask people for pledges. Uh, we don't have we don't have like an incredible financial infrastructure in place. But uh, you know, the first I think it was almost two years of our church, we didn't even have a way to give. Like there was no bank account. There was no way you could like if you handed me money, I would just be like, "You need to keep this because we don't have anywhere to put it." So so uh, we didn't get into planting a church for like the financial uh, benefits. I'll say that for sure. Um, But even though we don't talk about it a whole lot, even though it's not something we regularly discuss, the the truth is, the fact is, our church, the town church, needs sacrificial and consistent financial support in order to to keep going. Um, if, If you are part of the town church, that's your responsibility to share. Right? That's... That's... Just, that's non-negotiable, I think. And so here's what I'll say about our money situation in a kind of a general sense. We are not in a dire financial situation, right? We're not, we're not going to shut the doors in a month because we don't have enough money. We have some money in the bank. We're spending it on some much-needed upgrades. Like, we've basically been like a college student who moved out and was like getting a free couch off the street and got like an old giant TV from their neighbor. Like we've been using borrowed free uh, gifted stuff that doesn't always work for a long time. And so we're investing in some upgrades on some of that equipment uh, for our building itself. Like we're trying to make our building um, nice, right? And I think that's that's okay. We're investing in our kids and our hospitality ministries. And, and a lot of that we can do because Next Gen Churches, which is another network they're part of, they gave us uh, a gift to say, we want to see you do these things. We want to see you accomplish them. So they just gave us $10,000 to say, go do some stuff. Like, you know, fix, you know, get rid of that old janky soundboard you have, please. Um, but aside from that, month to month, we, even with very low expenses, and, and we run our church, I think, cheaper than, about as cheap as you can do it in North America. Um, even with those low expenses, we're barely covering those expenses month to month. And, and what I want us to remember when we talk about giving, it's not just about us, ourselves, either, because if we want to be a church that is sending out and supporting churches like we show during the videos each week, we have to have something to give to those churches, and I would just, it would be awful to say like, sorry, we can't support um, this church or, or this group of churches because we don't have the financial ability to do that, and that would, I think it's like, well, what's the point <laughs> at, that, at that point if you get to that point, and actually, I would like us to support church planting like way more than we do, uh, and I think you would enjoy that too, so if we want to continue to fulfill Jesus' mission as a church, we need to share our financial responsibility together. So, so if you belong to the town church family and you're not giving sacrificially, you're not giving regularly, I'm asking you to do that. I'm just asking you to do that today. And beyond what I'm asking you, what I'm saying, just look at what we've seen throughout the book of Acts. Look at the scriptures. See what it says about giving and, and the scriptures, they're our ultimate authority on, on what we do with our lives, including with our money. And so just go there, and I think you're going to find a lot stronger language than I have used today. So next we share the, responsi- the responsibility of fulfilling Jesus' mission together through serving. You've already heard the call for serving uh, our church together kids, hospitality ministries, numerous opportunities to serve, work days. We're going to try to make our space cleaner, more usable, more welcoming, safer, all those kinds of things. And, and I say this, I know that we're all busy people. We have a lot of things going on. A lot of us have small children and serving 
when, when that's your life can be inconvenient and uncomfortable and sometimes just it feels impossible. Like what, is, what could I actually do? But, but I have to say again, this responsibility is something we share together. So there's, there's positions in our lives where we're more able to serve than we have been maybe in other parts of our lives. Or we're in a season where like I just... I just can't do it very much right now, but my heart is to serve in whatever way I can. So we share the burden together. It might not be equal in the way that it's expressed, but we share that responsibility together. And, and here's something I'll say to make everyone really uncomfortable. Um, sharing this responsibility is not just for the women in our church. <laughs> this is a responsibility that we all share together. So, so men, and I know many of you are already doing this, you're stepping into these roles. When you hear a call to serve with the kids or when you hear a call to serve in hospitality and greeting and making coffee, whatever it might be, just don't assume that you're exempt from those calls to serve, all right? This is a burden that we share together and my call is to be faithful in serving no matter what area it is and even if you don't like doing it, sorry. <laughs> All right, finally, we share the responsibility of fulfilling Jesus' mission together through going. So all of us are called to go with the good news of Jesus. It is not my responsibility alone. It's not the responsibility of just the leaders of our church to be on Jesus' mission. Your mission as a church, as a follower of Jesus, it's not just to bring people to our weekly gathering. Like, that's not the, the sole, uh, that's not the summary of your mission as a follower of Jesus. And you're totally welcome to do that. It'd be great if you bring people on a Sunday, but, but if you follow Jesus, that's not all you are called to do. Your mission, just like mine, is to make disciples of Jesus. All of us together, we share that responsibility, going with the good news of Jesus, who he is, what he has done for us. How do we share the responsibility of being Jesus' church together? Through prayer, through commitment, through giving, serving, and going. All right, I want to finish by just going back to the very beginning of our series. We called this series uh, The Living Savior and His Living Church because Jesus he, he's not in the tomb. He's alive. He ascended into heaven. He's not in some weird spiritual, ethereal realm, right? Jesus is alive bodily, physically, and we are his living church. We are his body. We're not a club. We're not an organization. Uh, we're not a nonprofit even. We are Jesus' body, uh, and, and that means we function in a way that the head tells us to live, right? We are the body doing what Jesus, our head, has called us to do. And most of it is going to be unremarkable, and it's going to be ordinary looking, right? Cleaning toilets does not feel grandiose. Eating together at, around a table, it's very ordinary. It's something we do every day. But, but all of these things that we do together as Jesus' living church, that that's the life that he's called us to. And it, it's full of his life, right? Full of the Holy Spirit. Jesus has saved us. He has sent us on his mission. And it is the greatest thing in the world to be part of what we are. And, and it's, it's not just that we're on this mission that gives us purpose. Like we're caught up into this new life that is so comprehensive that it's, it should fill every waking moment of your life to know that I'm part of Jesus' living church. I'm on his mission every minute of every day. I can't think of a better way to finish than, than by reading the end of Acts chapter 2, which speaks of the church in Jerusalem that day by day Attending the temple together, breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Let's pray. Father, 
Thank you for calling us into a life uh, that, that is everything, that it's not just a job that we go to, it's not just a relationship that we have, it's not just um, a place that we go once a week, it's not just people that we like being around and like hanging out with. Jesus, your mission is, is for all of our lives. And I pray that you today would have captured our hearts a little bit more, that we would live in a little bit more surrender and submission to this calling that you've given to us, uh, that we'd, we'd have unclenched our hearts and our fists a little bit more than we did when we came in. And, and I do pray for us as a church that you would lead us into what is next and that it would be so much greater than what we've talked about. These are our plans. These are our hopes uh, but we ask you to do far more than we could have dreamed or, or imagined or, or thought or planned for. And that we could look back and say it didn't go the way that we thought it would go. But we can see Jesus leading us every step of the way. And what could be better than that? We pray for you, Jesus, to add to your family day by day those who are being saved. Help us to make disciples who love you, who talk about you, and who live like you, Jesus. And help us to be those kinds of disciples. We pray it all in your name, Jesus. Amen.